Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Live on a Friday edition of the program, week two in high school football, week zero in college football. There's like 10 college football games that count tomorrow. And then the final preseason game oh, in the National Football League. It will be us and DeBers tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Going to be fun. Uh, how you doing? You doing good? I'm Is doing well. Are you doing well. here live on a, on a Friday edition? I'm doing well. I had my first fantasy draft last night a little Did you early. A really? little early. And I know nobody cares about my teams, but I want to run just one one little thing by you because I think I'm curious to get your take I on it. I have my pen. Keeper League. Yep. We're loaded up. I used a pick. At the end of the draft, nobody was on it. And so I was able, in my mind, let me tell you. So I have the potential to have this player. Don't lead now. Don't lead. I have the potential to have Try this player to in this round yep. for the next two years of his career. Yep. Jamison Williams. Yeah, I like that. Well, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, he's a dude. He's a dude. Last two receivers that people didn't draft early in fantasy drafts that were rookies that were first-round picks that missed basically all of August and then even some of the first few games, Odell Beckham and Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying he's going to be that good. Well, he has the but potential to the be. Potential. If, if he's not injured, he's he's the first receiver off the board. Um, they can be real patient with him because it's part of a long build. I wonder if part of the reason people forget about him is is that he's not on hard knocks. You don't see him. No. There's no mention of him. He was the first receiver taken, to your point, in the draft this year. Was he? Yes. They took him. Did he go despite being with despite? Yes. Hold on. Hold, please. Yeah, maybe they Yeah, they took him like six. Six, I want to say. So he was the first. I, for some reason, I thought somebody snuck in there. But no, it was. now I'm remembering because we did all that receiver work. We talked about Olave and Wilson. and Yeah. We never talked about him because we knew he wouldn't get there. Drake London. Oh, oh, no, I have it wrong. Drake London did go first. I have it totally wrong. Never mind. He went fourth. But they all won the top 12. London, eighth. Yeah. Wilson, tenth. Alave, eleventh. Williams, twelfth. Yeah, okay. So Four that's the what top I thought. 12 at that position. Yeah, but I didn't yeah, fall far. No, 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 no. But I, I thought that there were others. Sure, sure. But the point being that I he would have Drake been. London went one. He would have been one sure, had there sure, been. Sure. By the way, the looks of what you've seen from Alave and Wilson in those camps, perhaps. I, I don't know anything about Drake London. I'm not sure how that's going for him. But Wilson and Olave are crushing it with the Jets and with the Saints. So and yeah, I mean Jamison Williams has he has more top end than either of those two do. Yeah. He's not as wiggly as Olave, not as precise as Olave, not as much wiggle as Wilson. But his top end it, get down yeah. is it's like a six one Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of yeah. He's yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think he's. He's going to be sensational, and they're going to be patient with him. And But, again, I think a lot of it is just the hard knocks thing. I'll tell you, there's this is a really interesting game because of how teams around the league are approaching it. We we see that Brady's going to play for the Bucks. Like, starters are playing for the Bucks. Yeah, back from his vacay. Yeah, they're throwing him right out. Todd Bowles is throwing him in there, and he's playing. Um, you know, so there's we, – we know that some of our guys are going to play, but I don't – Probably not all. We know that Jacoby Brissett is going to play. Drew Petzing, his quarterback coach, is going to join us here in a couple of minutes uh, on the hotline, and we'll, we'll ask him kind of of the plan for uh, tomorrow's game. But you see, it does feel like we're kind of reaching a little bit of a consensus in that everybody, if you're going to give it a go, you give it a go this weekend. Yeah, this is. It, it feels like the third preseason game is back in some ways as the third preseason game. 
right? And that's what it used to be back in the day. The third one was the dress rehearsal. Week four, all the backups would play. The starters wouldn't yep. play at all. And, and then on and off you'd go. And now that fourth game has been eliminated. It's nice to see with the two-week break that some teams actually are treating this like it is the old third preseason game. And I think the Browns are going to be one of them. Now, you go way, way back, you'd see teams play, you know, into the third quarter. You're not going to see that now. But what we will see is Jacoby Brissett for the first time yeah. in a Browns uniform in a game. And with that, we have a special guest on the hotline. Let's go. Drew Petsy joining us on the hotline, the quarterback coach of the Cleveland Browns. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. We were talking uh, in the lead up there just a little bit about the different approaches that teams have to this third preseason game. How much conversation did you guys have to the way you were going to approach it, specifically with the quarterback position, because obviously Deshaun's here as well, and 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 then the Jacoby part of it. How did you guys come to the conclusion on what your plan is going to be tomorrow? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and, and not to uh, to be boring, but that that conversation is a little bit above my head. I mean, going into every preseason game, you know, we're going to get into a room, we're going to talk. Hey, we're thinking this many reps or this long into the game, this many series. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, but as far as who's going to play, when they're going to play, how that's going to get staked out, that 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 conversation is well above the quarterback coach's um, position in that regard. Well, tell us about your room. Take us behind the curtain and give us a little insight. What is the dynamic like in this room, and how you know have these guys worked together? Because that's what it takes in there, right? A lot of guys working together, especially when we get into game planning for the regular season. What's that dynamic been like? Yeah, the room has been awesome. I mean, it's a group of guys who really love the game of football, love to work at it, take it very seriously, and I think all get along really well. So they, And they all bring different experiences into the room from other places they've been, other systems they've been in, things they've done different ways. So when we get in there and watch tape or go through the game plan, you know, a lot of it is they're willing to learn and willing to hear how we want things done, but then they're also going to talk about some of the things that they've done or really liked in other systems and situations they've been in. So it's, it's a very collaborative room and a very easygoing room. But at the end of the day, those guys love to work and they love to win, and they're, they're, it's really fun to be around them on a daily basis. Drew, what have you seen from Jacoby from a growth standpoint over, over the last month here through camp? I think just the confidence in the system and his relationship with his teammates and embracing the role he's in has really shown up over the last couple of weeks. So I think that's been really fun to see as we've kind of gone through camp here and he's gotten more reps under his belt and called more plays and become more familiar with the offense. And it's been really exciting to see that um, translate into production on the field. When you, we've heard so much about the teammate that he is, the leader that he is. Now we're going to get to see Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback, play football. What can we expect? What are his strengths that you like? And what do you expect to be on display Saturday night against the Bears? Yeah, I mean, I think you talked about it. the leadership and the ability to see the field, put the ball where it needs to go, get in and out all effectively, and just operate the offense at a really high level. Um, I think it's something you're going to notice and feel right away. I think guys gravitate towards him. They have a lot of faith in him in the huddle, on the sideline. Um, he certainly warrants that in his personality, and rightly so. So I think you'll see that show up in the game, and I think he's excited to put it on display. You know, we were talking, Drew, about – you know, everything that he's endured in his past and the opportunities that have presented himself, whether it is stepping in for Brady or the Andrew Luck retirement and the way he's been thrust into it, this situation very similar. Obviously didn't have that in mind when, when he was acquired, but in terms of being able to handle a lot thrown his way, from our vantage point, it feels like he's crushing that. What, what are you guys seeing when, when you're with him every day the way that you are? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think he's the type of guy who comes to work every day and he's going to tackle whatever challenge is put in front of him and very little phases him, whether that's a defensive look or a situation or a period in practice. 
Um, he, he's, he's unflappable in that way. Good or bad, he's going to be the same guy. He's going to show up. He's going to do his job. Um, and I think that's really, to his credit, that's not an easy thing to do, and he does it at such a high level and has done that in so many situations. It's one of the reasons he's had success in this league. All right, let's talk a little bit about Josh Dobbs because this is a guy, 17 passes in the NFL, bounced around a little bit, feels like he's found a home here. He has been sensational this preseason. Last week, you know, he's led the Browns on seven scoring drives. And, and you and I had talked about him. Athletic, we've seen that. Incredibly smart, we've seen that. The question was, could he deliver the football accurately? And boy, a couple big throws on third downs, fourth downs from the pocket. How encouraging was that to you? And, and where's your confidence in Josh Dobbs now as that number two quarterback behind Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, I have a ton of confidence in him. And I, and I think it was great to see him put that on display in the games, but it's something we see every day in practice, so it's not a shock to me. Um, but as you said, I think, you know, having come into this situation with not a ton of experience under his belt in games, um, you're always looking for that. Like, hey, when the lights are on, can he produce? Can he continue to do it? So been really excited to see how he's done that here in the preseason and certainly something to build on moving forward uh, in his career. But he, you know, like the other guys in that room, works so hard, is so diligent about how he prepares and how he tries to improve. So anytime you see a guy take it that seriously, do all the little things right during the week, and then go out and have success in the game. It's always fun to be a part of that. You know, we had David Bell in here yesterday, Coach, and we're talking with Coach Drew Petzing, the Browns quarterback coach. Uh, and he said one of the things that has been helpful to him is that Josh Dobbs has such a mastery of this offense that he's coaching him up and some of the other young receivers and some of the young tight ends on the scheme, on their assignments. How valuable is it to have a guy like that in the room because he's going to be an integral part of the game planning, right? He's going to be somebody, another set of eyes on the oh, sideline yeah. for you and for uh, the play caller, Kevin Stefanski and offense coordinator, Alex Van Pelt and, and Jacoby Brissett. How, how nice is that? And is that a common thing for a guy that it's like his first year here. It's not like he's been here for multiple seasons. Yeah. I think the, the speed at which you picked it up has been really impressive. Kind of the point you made, like certainly that's a role that's very, very important, very valuable to an organization for all the reasons you just listed. Right, And in that role, a lot of times you may not get the reps and you may not get the experience. So being able to learn on your own, to put in the work, to be able to bring other guys along with you is, is rare. But I think the, really the thing that, that stood out to me was how quickly he picked that up and how quickly he was able to excel in that role. And certainly, as you hear from other guys in the building and other players, like there's massive value for them in that because they can lean on him and they know that he's going to be able to, hey, you know, I might have forgotten this play. Do you, what do I have as we break the huddle? And he's going to be able to riddle that off and get everybody lined up and get things ready to go. So it's been fun to see um, and, and certainly is a major part of his game and something he brings to this organization. What's this been like for you, Coach? Going tight ends the last couple yeah. of years and now to quarterback. What's this offseason <laughs> been like through camp? What's been the biggest change? What have you enjoyed? Do you miss anything about your old room? Um, no, I, I mean, I think regardless of the room you're in, the job, and this kind of sounds cliche, it's very similar. Like at the end of the day, you're teaching. You know, you're teaching football, you're teaching the offense. You know, I think the, the exciting part for me or the challenge for me and, and kind of in the same verse is to figure out the best way to teach this position that relative to tight end, relative to some of the other rooms I've been in. Um, so I think that's been a really fun position. Certainly, you know, the whole offense runs through the quarterback position uh, to some extent. So I think just looking at it in a different light, being in the room with different guys has really been a, a great challenge for me and something that I've really enjoyed being a part of. Um, and then, look, I was in a great room the last two years in the tight end room with some great players and some great personalities. So certainly miss that aspect of it, but, but very excited to be in the room I'm in and be working with the guys that I've had the opportunity to work with over the last couple of months. 
How do you and TC kind of bounce things off each other? He played quarterback, of course. He's been a quarterback's coach in the league. You were the tight ends coach. Now he's with the tight ends as you guys diversify your skill sets. How kind of is is that a cool thing that you kind of have two guys who have done the opposite job in the new jobs now to be able to to work together? Yeah, without question. I mean, certainly, you know, we're always talking about, hey, how would you have taught that? Or, hey, I might do this. Or, you know, bouncing different ideas, whether it's, football stuff or it's running the room or running a meeting or an individual drill uh he's been a huge resource for me i've tried to be a huge resource for him in that regard and i think you know that that's true of a lot of guys on staff like if you look around our staff in its entirety there are a lot of guys who have been in different rooms and have coached different positions so we always feel comfortable walking into somebody else's room and asking a question about hey you know this is what i'm trying to get accomplished or i'm trying to get taught what do you think how have you done this in the past what's the best way to do that and you know, obviously leaving the tight end room last year and having a great relationship with TC has certainly allowed me to do that uh, numerous times throughout the offseason and into the training camp. All right, let's have a, we'll have a little fun here, Coach. Who is it after all of your diligent, I can tell the folks it has been diligent work in the gym, you and Coach O'Shea, who right now is in better shape? <laughs> Uh, oh man, with a small child at home, I got to give him the nod. He, you know, he, he, I skip <laughs> a lot more days than he does, so I, I can find a reason to k- shut it down. Or is he, he's on it right now, so I got some catching up to do. And I'm sure you will do just that. And then one little thing, I want to just put a little feather in your cap. Got a chance to speak with Andrew Barry uh, earlier today, and I asked him. We were talking about you know the process for making the roster and the collaboration between the coaches and the personnel staff. And I said, who, uh, who are the coaches? that you think could, if they wanted to, leave coaching and could be great, you know, front office scouting personnel people. I said <laughs> Bill Callahan. He only said two people. This is oh, true. Yeah. Bill Callahan and you. Oh, all right. Well, I fooled him then, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, fake it until you make it, my coach. My job as a coach, I've always told him my job as a coach is to make his job as a, to manage the roster as hard as humanly possible. If, I, I if my guys are all playing well, he's got tough decisions to make. So that, that's a good thing that he remembered that I, you know, I take that seriously. And obviously he's been a ton of fun to work with. And I've learned a lot from him over these last couple of years. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Good yes. luck tomorrow night. And uh, we'll hope go. to visit with you again as the season goes along. All right. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Drew Betzing, our quarterback coach here with the Cleveland Browns on the hotline. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Great. Great dude. And a guy that... You know, yeah. a lot of people feel like is on that track where he's getting a diversity in his skill set, the rooms that he has worked with, uh, and an opportunity that, you know, down the line, he's got the demeanor. He's got, that's an endorsement, is a big endorsement from Andrew Berry right yeah. there, right? That he knows how to identify talent and that, you know, he's uh, somebody that people feel like is going to be, he's on that offensive coordinator track, you know, as his career continues to evolve and i know the browns are very pleased to have him in there great guy i remember gibbe would remember he was here low those many years ago in 2014 in a completely different capacity so it's awesome to see what drew has become in the national football league now the quarterback coach for the cleveland browns oh, i thought gibby had a thought do you have a thought hit the, make sure your butt your make sure, there, there we you go. go too bad uh, it doesn't illuminate I, I know that uh our gm has some very high praise for him this weekend as well that's right that's right we mentioned that on the show but he was originally <laughs> sorry originally who was he who was he originally a colleague of is he's now a colleague of kevin stefanski's and the quarterback coach who who was he originally a colleague of in this building he was he was was he under norvell no oh my god the great simone he was not simone yes, yes he, he sure was, was. No. Yes. Goodbye. See, You're fired. Um, all right. Go back to By the way, Gibby's all stock backup. 
It's no question. It's fine. No question he could take over. It's been a day. It's been a week. Apparently. Easy, my guy. Easy, my All guy. Right. Coming up. Coming up. What a scene yesterday in Cincinnati. We'll get to that. What? My God. Um, Z goes one-on-one with Coach Stefanski. Tom Waddle, former Bear, joining us in the second hour to get us set as well. We're off and running here on a Friday edition. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion. Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone, is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. When you're talking about the best defensive football player, I think probably since Lawrence Taylor, and you're talking about being caught on a cell phone camera with not one but two helmets flailing and connecting on players of the opposition. And the the feedback from the NFL is we can't do we don't do anything with practice. practice. We talk about practice. Listen, and you can you're gonna go with precedent? Come on. Come on. You can't do that with a straight face. Listen, I understand are... it's different than what happened on a, in a primetime game under the lights. I understand it's different. It is not apples and avocados, but it's apples and pears. Still fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think avocado technically is a fruit. It too. is. A, it is. Yeah. You get the point. There, it's close. It's, it's not the same. I under, I'm, not, I'm not acting like it's the same, but it's similar. And it's the idea that that can happen – if he would have hit, if he would have hit somebody without a helmet, with I mean, it's clearly a lethal blow. He could have killed them. Could have absolutely Same killed thing them. Same thing that was said about, said here. Yes. Yeah, we had to deal with all of it, and the notion that it's being kind of laughed off is stunning to me. I don't understand. I mean, to me, he has to be suspended, and if it's not going to be from the NFL, then it's got to be from the Rams, and they got to tell going to suspend him. Right. They, the NFL's got to tell the Rams, look, you got to set him down for two games, three games, whatever. Like I don't. I'm, again, I'm not saying it's the same, but it's in the same vein. It is the same. It just happened in a different location. The setting, th- I think, matters, though, setting to matters, a certain extent. Fine. I, so maybe know. it's not indefinite, but there does need to be some punishment. The NFL's got, right now, a couple of things on their hands that are challenging that they are trying to stay as far away from this. And we can't do anything in the Aaron Donald situation. And they are saying we can't do anything about Matt Areza, the punter from San Diego State, who's now with the Bills, that's in a real mess for something that happened prior to him joining the NFL. So – for those who don't know, he the the rookie punter is is it's a civil lawsuit that was filed against him as and he's being accused of gang rape. Yes, um, and the, apparently some in the league knew that this allegation was out there. The story in the L.A. Times this morning is the one that I read on it, um, which is insane. Indeed, no criminal charges again, um, but much different allegation. Much different allegation, and. There's, you know, and he's on the phone with the cops. Like that it's, there's one thing where, um, and then I heard, well, the new CBA, they don't have precedent for previous before you got here. That doesn't count for code of conduct. Well, the new CBA might not, but there's a kid who played college football here in the state named Terrell Pryor, who was suspended for getting trading tattoos for jerseys, which is insane. That happened. Right. And he was suspended by the NFL. I'm pretty sure Tressel was even suspended by the NFL. I think I have that right. I think he couldn't even coach right away in the NFL. 
because of that. Think about how absurd that was versus, come on. Well, I'm just saying it is a tough thing. And obviously the Browns and were under the microscope in the spotlight with Deshaun Watson. The Browns have also were in the microscope uh, for Miles Garrett. And so here's two things. And then at some point you have to wonder how are all these things different? Yes, they took place at a different venue. But if the argument was made that this was brought embarrassment to the league, I'm talking now I'm talking Miles Garrett. Yeah. This certainly Aaron Donald's video would fall into the same vein. It was incredibly dangerous, and had he connected with an exposed head, he could have like exploded. There's no question; it. he could have killed. Yeah, for sure. Same. Mm-hmm. Miles was suspended indefinitely. It ended up being the remainder of the season, but it was an indefinite suspension at the time that it happened. Yeah. And ended up being six games for the rest of that year. At some point, you have to be able to compel. I mean, if we're ruling, willing to overrule federal judges yep. on their decision-making process, and I realize that. We ended up with a settlement, but we were willing to challenge her, appeal mm-hmm. her decision. You've got to be able to flex your muscle over the Rams here. Now, the Rams are just like the Browns wouldn't have. No team was ever going to suspend their own guy in a situation like this. Did you hear Zach Taylor yesterday? I, I did not. Post-practice? I did not. He said we got, it, it got, we got into a little scuffle. This was before anybody knew that the video was going to get out. So again, this is a it's a closed practice, open to the media, but closed practice. It's a joint practice, so there's no fans there, but there probably right. could have been corporate pond- partners there. Would be possibly my guess. they got into a fight. There were two there were like scuffles before the yeah. third one. Yeah, like, he downplayed it bigly. Yeah. Like if you listen to him, he yeah. had it. He he was like, oh, I got a little scuffle. We just thought thought we'd stop it. There, you know, there's no reason to play two over. more. I'm like, what? A little scuffle. So clearly, they didn't think that this was going to get out. But it did. So probably what happens is there starts to be a scuffle. Someone pulls their camera, who's either corporate partners or media, somebody like that, pulls it, hits record, and they capture it. And guess what? This is different. It's different that there's video. Yeah. It's different. We all saw it. Me swinging that like a lunatic. Well, it's aggressive. You use a weapon as a helmet. And I don't, like, if it's preseason, if it's, joint practices we're not going to how can you not police something and gerard said it last night on the stefanski show he's like that is a weapon and if used correctly with how big and how powerful that man is it can severely hurt someone it could kill there's no question if he hit somebody in the head in the right way with a helmet it's aaron donald it's the thanos of the nfl the same stuff that was said about miles applies here i i do i'm acknowledging that they're, it's different because one is in a game on national television and the other one is in a practice. But the that does not change the two incidents. Yeah. And so if you want to say that this one is indefinite, ends up being six, this one can't be nothing. Yep. Correct. And, and what, what have we seen for the first two through the first two preseason games? Defensive linemen, offensive linemen wearing the extra padding on their helmet to protect themselves from concussions. And you're going to trot that out and make and say that that's okay? That guy was hitting people without padding. It's crazy. Really, really crazy. It, it is. Yep. You're right. It's not a six game, but someone's got to do something here. Like, you, you cannot use a helmet as They're a gonna, the, the, the The hypocrisy of it all is they will use the CBA when it benefits them. Of course. And then not when it – just like when we were dealing with the, the, the Robinson findings – and Goodell and anybody from the NFL would read the parts of the findings that benefited them and ignore the parts that didn't. They do the same thing with the CBA. They do the same thing with precedent. 
when it benefits them, they'll use it. When it doesn't, they break it. Yeah. And there's no this is what the players this is what they the biggest beef with this whole thing is all of, we just want this to be this type of stuff to be out of your hands. Let's have a rule of law on this. That was the point of it. That's right. Gerard said it best last night on the show, and I keep going back to it. These two teams should have never been joint practicing together anyways. I disagree. Said, I don't have a problem, I have no with, problem that. with that. I have no problem all. with he that. He said, but his argument was, look, if I were a Bengals player, I haven't forgotten what happened in that Super Bowl. And there's a little bit, and there was edge right from day one. That This was day two of joint practices. Yeah. Right from the get-go, there was chirping. I don't know. I I think it would be one thing if it was if this happened and it was the Bengals against the Steelers in joint practice where you see them twice a week, twice a season. Um, I mean, did the Bengals even play the Rams last year other than the Super Bowl? Have they played them often? I, you know, I, like they're probably not. You know, it's a super. They're not like heated rivals. This is these two coaches let this get out of hand. Clearly, yes. Um, and and there wasn't an, an agreement on how to go about handling all of this. No question. I don't. Th- I don't know that it made a difference that they played in the Super Bowl. Or not Gerard played in them, so you'll. I'll defer to him on that. But I, to me, I think this was more just this. They took, you know, they took a pebble and it turned into a boulder because nobody stopped the pebble. I couldn't agree more. And I, as you mentioned, with Burrow, I brought that up to Gerard last night. I said Burrow's did it. He's like, no way, it's not. It's practice. Yes, it is. It's practice. This is not a game with stakes. Yeah. And they allowed it to get, as you said, completely out, and it got completely out of hand that's the most that's the most ridiculous nfl brawl we've seen because that was a full-scale brawl yeah miles happened in a split second one person lost their way and he was punished accordingly Mm -hmm. this is a full-scale melee in the midst of which one person lost their way and it also happens to just once again be a very prominent player in, in aaron donald it's wild watching it and i've watched it a bunch of times it is a wild thing to watch I agree. Yeah. Yep. I don't see how he's not he's got to be dinged. Are you kidding? Some way. He has to. This be. is the thing. It's selective. It is selective because guess what? You know what's not happening about this? Other than I'm sure Browns fans who would say, "Oh, this should happen" or maybe Oh, there's nothing. Maybe fans in the NFC West who are of Niners and Seahawks mm-hmm. and Cardinals. Oh, yeah, something should happen to Errol Dowd. Nobody cares. This isn't a cultural movement, and I'm shocked honestly right now. The thing that checks me the most about I'm not seeing a ton of stuff other than from really a handful of people commenting at all about the Bills punter. Oh no, that's that's gotten very little. Neither neither have, quite frankly. Neither one of them have had much, which to me is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can think whatever you want. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion about Deshaun Watson and the the number and and what allegations. Yeah. The allegations made against this guy are not not in the same realm no of crime no no Mm-mm. and the 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 donald thing i don't see how it's weird how it's a good point on you it's weird how there's been no outrage today about it. it's like it happened in a vacuum and it's gone except it didn't no listen alvin kamara things out there you, you don't hear about that there's it's so I just am curious. I just pulled up. I just was curious where, if this is on ESPN's front page day. So I just ESPN.com just pulled it up. Boy, they're really tapping into the 
really tapping into the, the the heartbeat of America right now. The number one story they have is the price and payoff of Kelsey Plum's lifelong obsession with winning. That's the number one story. Um, they have um, a baseball extension with the Mariners uh, that Rodriguez getting a $400 million Kelsey, deal. Kelsey Plums? Kelsey Plums. Who's that? She plays in the WNBA. They're in business with the WNBA. All right, so then you got Cuban pitcher may get record bonus. Suits like allege there's a, a crossover with Ashley Schaefer BMW for her big market. I think you might have it. Suits alleged Foreman sexually. So that's the George Foreman story. Live golf. Uh, they get here's the Bills story. That's sixth one down. There's not Aaron Donald is not on the front page. It was the front page. It's not on the front page of ESPN.com today. Now that's that's the worldwide leader. Nothing. It's again. I mean, I get this, but and I don't know what it was like when I don't know what this was like. I know for sure Miles would have been on the front page that day. I'm NFL.com. No mention of it. Nothing. That's your telltale sign right there. Yeah. Is is that's NFL.com? Okay. So it's a non-story. Um. So Florio's got it. He's got it fourth. Rams should suspend Aaron Donald, and if they don't, the NFL should. So at least consistency from Florio. Does he have anything on the Buffalo guy? I'm sure. Uh, there's nothing on NFL.com. Andrew Whitworth yesterday for saying that his phone was busy. There is something on NFL.com. It's the tenth story on Ariza. Yeah, but there is. Uh, yeah, and he has it. Florio's got it too. Florio's got the Ariza thing too. It's like fifth fifth story. feel like we were the number one store for four months i understand we the difference still. between a rookie punter and a franchise quarterback i get and it. the contract he got. i get all of it yes. i'm not i get it but also the crimes alleged are wildly different and the donald part of this is crazy to me that we're just gonna walk and be like no big deal practice practice by the way these joint practices they're mini games they're mini games is what they are they're a workaround they're yes. a workaround is what they are. Yeah, to get guaranteed situational work in the game. Correct. That's what those are. Nuts. Um, <laughs> then from this, next, we're doing the top 20 players in the NFL. Aaron Donald's in the top five. I bet you that. Yeah. We'll get to that coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority give you that bathroom of your dreams in about a day. That current bathroom you have can have a spa-like feel to it with my good friends at the Bath Authority. They can make it a reality for you in a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. Experts in factory trained installers. Give them a call now for 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. Call 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects, all made in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding, again, in about a day. Superior products, expert installers at thebathauthority.com. 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off. If you call right now, and they will take care of you. Um, all right, we have the NFL top 20 players were revealed alphabetically. All right, let's take this a look. Let's take a look at this. 
All right, I've got my I've got my top five. Oh, I didn't realize I should have read ahead. All right, so they these are I'll I'm read trying. the twenty. Okay, here's your twenty. Yep. All right, Devontae Adams, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, Miles mm-hmm. Garrett, Derrick Henry, Tyree Kill, J.C. Jackson, Justin Jefferson. Wow, what an ascent! Travis Kelsey, He's a beast. I know he is, but that's a heck of an ascent. Cooper Cup wasn't even ranked. One season with Stafford, top twenty. Shaquille Leonard, who's that's Darius Leonard, Darius but now Leonard, he's Shaquille, yeah. Shaq Leonard. That's right. He's thirty-seven. Patrick Mahomes, Micah Parsons, that's a heck of an impact as a rookie. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Rodgers, Debo Samuel for unranked to top twenty. Jonathan Taylor from unranked to top twenty. T.J. Watt and Trent Williams. So those are your top twenty in no particular order. Um. Well, I'll tell you what, if if I. I'm going to say that number one. Let's do let's do our top five, five to one. Let's do five to one. I'll give my five. You give your five. Let's go five to one. If you can, if you think you can. Yeah, I'm just trying to do this on a fly here. Yeah. Um, Snap decisions. How I think they will be, or how it will be. Whatever I let's I do did it how we think I they did what I want it to be. This is this oh, was what I would this do. This is my top five off of this list. I think that this. All right, let me just have this caveat out there. I would have five quarterbacks. Okay, I do not have five quarterbacks. Because it's the most important position by 100 miles. For sure. So somehow you have to separate quarterbacks from quarterbacks' importance versus non-quarterback importance. So that's what makes it. I feel like I did that. I have two quarterbacks in my top five is my spoiler. This is based on last year. Right. Well, it's based on last year. But the other thing is, is like you have the reference of – what happened in the postseason too of course sure you right? do sure you do all right all right i'll go with my number five for you right here my number five and this was a little bit controversial but not because not on brown's daily miles garrett yeah i mean he's i mean all these guys are are really really good yes I put him five. There are going to be people who say, well, T.J. Watt had more sacks. He's better. Miles Garrett got a 99 from men. The defense rests. <laughs> that's, that's T.J. Your, Watt didn't. That's your, uh, that's your go-to is he got a 99 on yeah. Madden? Yeah. Who are the Madden 99s this year? <sighs> Man, I don't is there a ton? All of them. No. No, there's like a couple, a few, very few. But he's one of them? He's one of them. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm having to spitball this. I'll go Trent Williams five. Okay. All right, my number four is going to be Josh Allen. Same. Okay. Yeah, I wrote him down as four. My number three is going to be Cooper Cup. Okay. And here's the case for that. All right. Because I'm sure that is controversial. Gibbe, can you give me – are you available? He's editing BPAs. All right, give me a Cooper Cup. Guess the stats from last season, regular season, Cooper Cup. Catches, yards, touchdowns. That's all you got to give me. Cooper Cup? Yep. Last season. Yep. I'll try after. Probably 115 catches. 115, okay. Take that. Okay. Uh, 1,300 yards. Okay. And 11 touchdowns. 
I'm going to go 122, okay. 1670. I actually wrote down 1876, but I think that's too high. So I'm going to go 1676 and 15. Okay. So Cooper Cup last year won the Triple Crown. I knew that. Yep. He caught 145 balls. Oh, my God. That's for a lot. For 1,000. 900. My 1876 was right there. And 47 yards. That's his regular season. And 16 touchdowns. Oh, and then one off on the touchdowns. in the playoffs in four games, he catches 33 balls for 480 yards and six touchdowns. Jeez, that's sick. I should have stuck with my initial gut. I was still 23 off on the catches. Gibbe, you, were fi- and- you get 1,300 yards and you were 15% off. 50% off. He 50%. Did. Yeah. Yeah. At 1,300 yards, he was 50% off. My original guess. Yeah, you were, you were close. Um, Damn. Kit, it, That's in those craziness. numbers and what he meant to that team, how can you not include the postseason when factoring in the MVP? He was he third. Was, he, he was more, third. He was third more valuable MVP, than yeah. Aaron Rodgers. He was third Here's in the voting. The problem, num- and he was the offensive player of the year. Here's the problem. Yeah. Here's the problem, player. though. He's not as important to his own team as Matt Stafford. I don't know. If no, I, I do. Yes, I, I do. I don't know about that. I do. Yes. The two years before, he has been good for com- a while. The two years before combined, mm-hmm. combined, 186 catches, so 41 more. These are two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. He's got 2,135 yards, so not even 200 yards more, and 13 touchdowns, three touchdowns fewer. That's the problem. But, I mean, what he did. No, I understand. And at some and he, point, everybody other, knows he's getting the ball. Correct. And he caught 76% the of other, the starts. The thing that buoys his case even more, and I think I like that you have him on this, um, especially I had Donald third, and I'd rather not put him anywhere. Um, but but based on what you just said, you got to remember, Woods went down. Robert Woods goes down with an injury in, was that November. Yep. Yes. November Woods goes the day down, they but then they, Odell. Odell's in. It was like the day they signed. They day they signed Odell. So Woods goes down. Odell comes in, and then in the Super Bowl, Odell goes down. Yeah, and he's the Super Bowl MVP. And he's the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. He was. Yeah. You probably have that. That's that's a good job out of you. I don't have a problem with that. Ridiculous. When's the last 145, time? One forty-five, eight, nineteen hundred and sixteen. When's the last time? Somebody is won. Is that the greatest receiving season in NFL history? That's what I'm saying. Like, When's is Calvin Johnson's best? What's Randy and Calvin's best? Calvin had a 2,000 yard season. I know. That. Randy had the one season in New England. He had the one season in New England that was crazy, where he almost had like 30 touchdowns. So, the best receiving season of all time is the Jerry Rice, where he had what's the jumping Jer- touchdowns, right? Yeah, Jerry had that one that was crazy. You get Calvin's best. I'm going to get Randy's. I just want to see. I'm pretty sure the... that's the second most receiving yards all time. I'm pretty sure. All right. Randy's best season. Randy's best season is in New England. It's in 07. He's yeah. 30. Um, it's 98 catches, 1493, 23 touchdowns, 15 yards a catch. He had a year, though, in New England. I'm sorry, boy. His rookie year, he averaged 19 yards of reception. His third season in Minnesota, it was 1437, 15 touchdowns. But it's not. All What's right. Calvin's? So Calvin's, it's kind of two seasons. In 2011, he has 96 catches, 1,681 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Still not as good. The next year, he has 122, 1964, and somehow only five touchdowns, which is crazy. So his best year is 19. So that I think 1964 is the most that there's ever been. 
So he doesn't have a 2000? So no. it's probably the all-time record. Yeah. So Jerry Rice in 1995, in 19, at 33, Jerry Rice is 122, 1848, and 15. That's Jerry's best year. Okay. You could argue his best year. I mean, Jerry has a year where he averages 20 yards a catch in 88. He averaged 20 yards of reception, for which God's is sakes, which is crazy. It's amazing he'd ever won an MVP. He had 22 touchdowns in 1987, but just 1,000 yards. But it was only in 12 games. So Cooper Cup was 17 yards from breaking this. So here are the top five all time. You've got Calvin Johnson. What was his number? 1964. Jeez. And five touchdowns. Cooper Cup. Five touchdowns. That's crazy. Cooper Cup, 1947, and 16 touchdowns. By the way, 145 catches is the second best number on here. The best number on here that I see is Mike Thomas, who had 149 catches in, in uh, 2019. But Julio Jones, third. 136, 1871, and 8. Jerry Rice in 95, 122, 1848, and 15. Antonio Brown. So of the people in the top 12 receiving yard seasons ever, mm -hmm. he has the most touchdowns of the top 12 seasons One in yards. One quick thing. Yep. I don't want it to minimize, but 17 games versus 16. Fair, fair, also fair. Uh, but his 16 touchdowns are the most. Then you've got Antonio Brown in 2015, 136, 1834, and 10. Ike Bruce, 1995, 119, 1781, and 13. I would not have remembered in that. In 1995? Yep. Yep. With the Rams? Yep. Greatest show on turf. No, oh, 95 is not greatest show on turf. Year, you're still four years away from the greatest, greatest show. Greatest show on turf is St. Louis. They're still in L.A. at that yeah. point. Wow. I don't even know who that is. No, this says St. Louis. So it must have been their first year in St. Louis. They must have left under 94. Okay. But it wouldn't have been Warner. No. I don't even know who's quarterbacking them at that point. Stand the by. 1995 Rams? Gus Farratt? Sure. Okay. Charlie Hennigan in 1961 with Houston. That's unbelievable. 82, <laughs> 1746, averages 21.3 catch and 12 touchdowns, and who knows how many games that's in. Not many. Michael Thomas in 2019, 149, 17, 25, and 9. Marvin Harrison in 2002, 143, 17, 22, and 11. And then Antonio Brown again, 129, 16, 98, and 13. All right, here you go. So Isaac Bruce, they were in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Who's the quarterback? Oh, the quarterbacks? Well, you can I interest you in played, played Dave for the, Barr, well, the, Jamie Martin, and Mark Rippon? No, the guy who gets it is Chris Miller. Chris Miller threw for 2,700 yards and 18 touchdowns that year. Who had been with the Falcons? Didn't he play for the Falcons at one point, Chris Miller? No, I'm thinking of Chris Chandler. Chris Chandler. Yeah, Chris Miller played for the Falcons. Oh, he he played like eight years of his career in the Falcons okay. through 93. Right. Then he goes to St. Louis. On the um, 95 and that's Rams it. roster, that's who they have. It Chris Miller is your, uh, is, your, is your quarterback of record. I'll tell you what, I'll give anybody without looking – I'll give you 100 bucks, including you, Stevie, without looking, if you can tell me the coach – of the St. Louis Rams in 1995. I'm out. I saw it. It's not Dick Vermeil, mm -mm. which is obvious. I, believe I mean, honestly, you'd never guess. We would waste a minute and a half of airtime. Okay. I don't even know if you've ever heard of the human. Let's see. Rich Brooks? Nope. <laughs> I was living my best life in college at that so point. He was, I really don't know. He was with Oregon. 
He was like, I think he was the head coach at Oregon, then goes to the Rams, and then ends up being like the head coach at Kentucky, I think when Couch was there. I think he coached Kentucky, right? Well, Mummy coached. Maybe Mummy replaced him at Mummy Kentucky. Mummy coached Couch. I, that's for sure. But I think Mummy replaced Brooks. Brooks may have recruited him, or maybe it was the other way. Maybe Brooks replaced Mummy. But that was uh, that's where that goes. All right, that's crazy, though. So Cup misses, just real quickly, single-season reception record by four games, by four catches. He misses the yards by 17. Jeez. And That's again, crazy. one more game. One more game. Yeah. To be sure. Still. All right. Who do you got at number two? Good job out of you on Cup. I didn't. I would not have had it quite that grand, but I was I was decent close on the on the yards and the touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I had Aaron Rodgers number two. Same. And then I have. I don't even want him. Right now, he's he's in he's in the doghouse for me. So Aaron Donald had one because he's the most dominant player yeah. in the game. I still have Mahomes. Patty Mahomes. Yeah. Still use the postseason, all of it. All right. So there you go. I don't have a problem with I, – I, my guess is Miles ends up somewhere between 5 and 10. I would think so, too. I'm curious to see where is he, he above goes. above Watt? That'll that's, be the, that's what I want to see. Yeah. My guess – because this is player vote, right? Yeah. I think he ends up ahead of Watt. I think he's the number two defensive player behind Donald. I think that, I like that. Although Jalen Ramsey probably has a lot of player pull, right? Yeah. And I just want, real quickly, I want to look up Micah Parsons because in my mind, he had a ridiculous season. Yeah, he was first team all pro last year, 13 sacks, uh, 84 tackles, 30 quarterback hits, three passes to Penn three, uh, three force fumbles. So he did not play his junior season at Penn State. He sat it out. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. He, um, the other thing that was really cool about, about him is, and you get, like, you bang on the Cowboys a lot for some of their stuff. But they get into camp. They, they draft him as a linebacker. They get into camp, and they're like, well, this isn't who he is. Go get quarterback. He might be the best pass rusher in the league. We got, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And they were smart enough and not stubborn. They didn't try to make him something he wasn't. They just – he's a football player. See yes. ball, get ball. Yep. And they let him. And then this is what you get. You get a first-team All-Pro out of that. So this will be – I have. I do find that I will – if I'm – if I leave the TV on NFL Network, if I'm watching an old preseason game, and then this comes on when I flip on the TV, I will stick with it for a little while. I do enjoy these, but I don't. It's not appointment viewing for me, but I do enjoy you know players talking about players. I think that part. I like. Cool. Yeah, that part is cool. All right, coming up next, Z one on one with Coach Stefanski. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. And now here's Z, one-on-one with Coach Stefanski from last night's Coach Show. It's time now for our exclusive interview with head coach of Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And Coach, final preseason game. I know you've already said some starters will play. We know Jacoby Brissett will start. So let's start there. What are you hoping to see from Jacoby and whoever joins him on the field against the Bears? Yeah, Jacoby's gotten a lot of really, really good work uh, going back to the spring, into the summer. He has not played in a preseason game just yet, so felt like this is the opportunity to go out there with a bunch of the ones and play football in a game setting. And it's it's a continuation of training camp. I'm, I'm, we're keeping score, so we want to 
obviously compete and do well. Uh, but this is all part of the work that goes into getting ready for week one. Is there something maybe extra to be gained for him going against a coach in Matt Eberflus who he knows well, who knows him well also from Indianapolis? I think so. I mean, he does know this scheme really well. Uh, and I think Coach Flus's system is uh, is really, really good. Uh, they play real fast, uh, but they're not a huge disguise team. They're going to kind of show you what they're doing. There will be some disguise on first and second down, but what they pride themselves on are playing fast. So I think Jacoby has – uh, really understands this scheme, understands the nuances of their coverages, especially. Uh, but Coach Flus is, is going to—he's uh, going to do a great job there in Chicago. I think he's—I think very highly uh, of him. He, he always has a good defense. It's like back-to-back weeks though, running into that old Indianapolis staff, right? You had Sirianni and now Eberflus in this one, and some similar stuff for your guys, I would imagine. Yeah, schematically, they'll be—it's interesting. So they'll be in Indianapolis. We watched a lot of tape on Indianapolis going into this game. Uh, which is we're a four down front team you know we're a, a three technique to the strong side team like they are so a lot of similarities we, we attack the, the getting off the ball some coverage elements that are similar some are different and then on the other side Luke Getzey's their offense coordinator he came from Green Bay right uh, so a lot of similarities there in, in what we do offensively so it's always good to kind of understand the scheme understand the family of, of where these coaches have come from. Has it been helpful for you if you think about the preseason as a whole? Jacksonville, they do a lot of 3-4, right, with the two stand-up outside linebackers. Then you kind of got that five-man front of the Eagles that they play at times, and then now getting one that's more similar. It's kind of you've almost in three weeks gotten preparation for the entire league. Yeah, so when we face our team, uh, you know, you're seeing that four down front. And then in this league nowadays, uh, we, we've looked at our roster, our schedule. We're playing a ton of three, uh, three down, if you will, four, uh, five on the line of scrimmage, right. whether it's an odd front, an under front, whatever it may be. That's really, the I'd say, the majority of the league right now. So we get our four down front in our practices, so it's always good in these preseason games, joint practices, to get a different front. All right, let's talk about the quarterback position and Josh Dobbs. Been sensational. Another great performance last week. What has he shown you? Maybe what surprised you? And, and how comfortable are you with him now in the event that he may have to play in this season? Yeah, Josh has done a great job again since the, the minute we got him in April. And, and he's been diligent in the meeting room, uh, really smart. And everybody knows he's the rocket scientist. Sure. So that goes without saying. But what I think is, is impressive is he plays smart. He processes really quickly what he sees. He, he's able to, to use that computer of his and get the ball into the appropriate uh, places. Then the big thing f that we see that doesn't necessarily show up in practice is the athleticism. Because remember, in practice, our quarterbacks are wearing orange jerseys. No one allowed, is allowed to touch them. Well, then you get into the game. These guys are trying to tackle him, trying to sack him, trying to hit him, and he's able to evade those defenders. Uh, so that's a, a big deal. That's part of his game. It's part of uh, it's a very big tool of his. Uh, so it's great to see it on display. He's an incredibly likable young guy. Great, yeah, oh, man, great person. I mean, that whole quarterback room. Uh, but Dobbsy is a, a great person, uh, good teammate. Uh, the guys really enjoy him. And how encouraging was it to see him win from the pocket, third down? fourth down because there's no question you mentioned the athleticism that was on full display there's no doubt about that his processing you get that but can he consistently deliver it accurately and I thought in that last game there are a couple big time third down throws that he made yeah, and a fourth down huge throws and, and that, those are big, those are the money downs when you got to come through at the quarterback position and, and really the throw for me that was most impressive was the one to Harley down the left side in the two minute drive really yeah. drove that thing in between the uh, corner and the safety Mike made a great ball on it but that was a very impressive throw from the pocket all right. Outside of the quarterback position, 
what do you want to see against Chicago? It's just uh, again, it's it's a preseason game. We want to we want to compete. We want to win. Uh, I think that goes without saying. But these games are really extensions of our practice. So when we're out at practice or we're out at the games, we want to operate clean. We want to make sure that we don't uh, have mental errors, sure. missed assignments, those type of things. So really trying to stay on top of the guys, uh, especially this week. In we gave them a game plan. And we gave them a bunch of plays that we won't run in this game because we don't want to show it. But I want them to take it. I want them to download it. I want them to think about it, walk through it, practice it, and go through the rhythm of these game plans are totally unique week to week. So once you learn this, you're going to flush it and get another one. Uh, so really, we tax them mentally. And what that means for players is you got to work at it because you get out there on the field. If you're thinking, you're in trouble. you yeah. got to just react and, and go play fast. So we gave them a lot. We're challenging them. Uh, we have extra walkthroughs with a night game, so there, there'll be more time to, to really finalize and, and, and hone in on all the nuances of this game. Uh, but looking for the guys to be able to play fast with, with a game plan. How about Mike Dunn in his first game ever playing center in the NFL, having to deal with Jordan Davis at times? He's in the second level. He's pulling to the right uh, on a you know as a center, get leading, blocking on the sweep, getting out there in the screen. Get, I thought he looked great. Dunny did a great job. I mean, he's been very versatile for us. Uh, he's a very intelligent, very tough, uh, smart football player. Uh, what I love maybe most about him is he plays really hard, and he's always around the pile. He's always helping his teammates up. He's he sees it clearly. Uh, so it's always fun when he's in there because you go back to that Green Bay game, he's playing guard, and he, he was doing a, a really nice job uh, up and down the field. All right, let's flip it to the defensive side of the football. What do you hope to accomplish? This is a team that, remember, last time we played in the regular season, had one net yard of passing, nine sacks for the Browns. Justin Fields is their quarterback. They've tried to revamp their line. Riley Reef, somebody you're very familiar with, has been brought in in addition to others. What do you hope to get out of this one defensively? Yeah, really similar to what we're looking for the offense. We want to just go play our defense. So uh, what that means is regardless of the play that's called, we want to be great in our assignment. And then the big thing in these games is we need to tackle. I didn't think we tackled uh, particularly well the last game, so we spent some extra time. It's something that you do every day, but we spent some extra time this past week on tackling drills and, and really would love to see guys get uh, – the first guy get them on the ground. You know, so much of tackling is tracking. And we make a big point with our linebackers, DBs especially, is how you track and approach the football ultimately leads to a good tackle. There's physical part of it, obviously, but we need to be way better in our tracking. Yeah, we need some Kunashik. That guy met that guy right in the middle, forklifted him, boom, right on yeah, down. Jordan. Jordan? You like? I can't, whatever that is. I got the pronunciation go. on my boards, and that's the only reason I know. Jordan, Jordan or 51 to me? <laughs> I think that's probably safer. Um, all right. In reality, this is a very good roster that you've got here, very deep roster. How many spots are, are up for grabs? I think quite a bit. Uh, I, th I think you know we really want to look at the body of work when making these decisions, and this, this game's a big part of it. Uh, it's not necessarily bigger than Jacksonville or bigger than Philly game or practices, sure. but it's, it's a part of it. So we're looking forward to watching some of these young guys play, and then there will be some tough decisions to make. And I think Andrew uh, we definitely understands that. We've met on the roster many, many times. We know that there's going to be guys that we'd love to keep that we're not able to. Uh, but, again, that's a good problem to have. All right, let's end with a little bit of fun. Could you feel the electricity when Cade York lined up for that 55-yarder? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely feel it from our crowd. You, know, you don't <laughs> typically – hear uh, that much of a swell of, of sound when you're getting ready to attempt a field goal so 
they're excited about Cade. I, I know Cade was exp- excited to get out there uh, in in front of our fans, and, and we'll get another opportunity to do that Saturday night. And that one would have been good from 65. It just needed another yard probably to curl back in, but he hits the ball. It's I've gotten the opportunity to see a lot of kickers around this league. He hits the ball in a very unique way. and I mean, it almost feels like once we get to the 50, it's reasonable to think that it's possible to go for a field goal. Yeah, he's a talented young man. I think we're excited about him, obviously. Uh, we also realize that there's growing pains with sure. with a young player, and I don't care if you're a kicker, a defensive end, a wide receiver. So uh, he's going to have to continue to work at his craft, and, and the nice part is he really does work very hard at it. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Have fun out there on Saturday night. Let's get another Browns win and a, a clean performance for your guys. There you go. Thanks, Nathan. Complexities of this camp, and I think there's probably got to be some relief to just be done with this preseason game and get on. I know I feel that way. I'm sure Same. you feel that way. Like it's kind of like let's just get to let's get to Carolina and, and get moving along. Like let's get out of this thing without any any injury. Um, we're you know it's August 30th on Deshaun, right? He can be here till the 30th, and then he's out so this is going to be the team for a while and and I think you just kind of want to get these days to stack I'm never one to fast forward life stay in the moment enjoy it but I really let's just get to game week that's kind of where I am with where we are right now in camp. I, I couldn't be more there to be yeah. honest with you it's been a draining preseason and and kind of training camp off season in many many ways uh, and I think that it's been you know I think it's been taken a toll. I think it's felt long to some of the guys. Some of the players would say, no, actually, it's, it's been pretty quick. Yeah. The truth is this has been a trying time in many ways, I think, for this organization for obvious reasons. And I do think that getting to the regular season and getting to that structure of the regular season and the cycle of the regular season and you know focusing on going 1-0 and each week will be very beneficial to this team and this organization. And you've got good veterans. You've got great coaches. And I think, yeah, there is a sense, okay, let's go out there. Let's avoid what ultimately happened to, say, Nick Harris at the mm-hmm. beginning of that game because that's just it's so unfortunate. And let's get through this, and then let's be able to take time and start to get ready for the Carolina Panthers September the 11th there in Charlotte. Yeah, that's where we're at. In terms of what you can look forward to, give you some things late in the game maybe. I think most of these position battles are sorted out, but there could be some guys who could impress once we get into the third and fourth quarter. Get your view kind of on what to expect from the starters. We'll get into that coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers for Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Keys to the game tomorrow. Get out healthy is key number one. Get them in, get them out. What's your gut on who who goes, who doesn't? Coach said earlier in the week, look, starters are going to play. I'm guessing that's not all. Uh, we know Jacoby's going to play. We know he Deshaun said select isn't. starters. Yeah. Okay, select starters are going to play. My guess is it'll look similar to what we saw in Jacksonville. So if you go back to that game and you think offensively, okay, who didn't we see in that game? You didn't see Joel Batonio. You didn't see Amari Cooper. You didn't see Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Feels fair. Feels like that makes sense. We've already established that precedent. And then you go defensively in that one, who didn't we see? Clowney. We didn't see uh, Miles. We didn't see... Um, 21 and 20. 21 and 20. And I think John Johnson, Walker was banged up. I didn't think we saw John Johnson there. I talked to John Johnson this week, and mm-hmm. I, I do think he is playing. So 
I think maybe it's just that simple. It's just those guys. And then anybody like, like Conklin, you're not going to put Jack Conklin out no, there no, no, or no, anything no. like that. So you'd be judicious. You know, Chase Winovich is banged up. Greg's had the hammy. I think if Greg hadn't had that hammy, I think he probably does play in this game. Mm-hmm. But because he's got the hammy and then, you know, we'll see if, if anything happened this week, you know, people get banged up in practice yeah. that we wouldn't know about at this juncture. So that's kind of where my eyes are. Uh, for this game in terms of who's in, who's out. And I think the, the goal is to get, you know, if you could get one really good quarter, I think that would be great. If it, if you need a quarter plus, I think it'll be a quarter plus, but I don't see it being any more than that. Do you think, um, you know, from a roster standpoint, how many roster spots do you think are open heading into tomorrow? Okay. Do you want to, like, go through it like First, that? By the way, this is my favorite you. What? The zest of the 53. And I, I do have a lot of zest got... for it. I do have a lot of I zest love this. It. This is one of my – these are my favorite shows as we wind down camp and we do the – what's the number? 26, 24, 25, 25. What is it? And then and then what's that look like? So just from the position of how many – you know, because I, I think especially in this town for the longest time, it was like, you know, this, this huge battle to make the team amongst 20 guys and we're going to pick up guys on other practice squads. Now that could happen at receiver and we'll get to that in a second. But in terms of just – how many spots are open? Let's play that exercise going into Saturday. Let's go spots open. Give me once I'm doing a little math here. Okay. QB, two. Okay. So this is – this is I'm going to just go what I think are just absolute stone-cold locks, like yep. without question Yep. how many people you have that are locks on both sides of the ball. Okay. Okay. So let's go on offense. Quarterbacks, so you've got Brissett and Dobbs. So mm-hmm. two. You've got four running backs. And, you know, Chubb, Hunt, um, Johnson, Ford. Dearness Johnson, Jerome Ford. You've got, I think, five receivers that are locks. You've got Amari, DPJ, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, and Demetric Felton. You've got two tight ends who are locks. David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. I think you've got... Eight offensive linemen right now. I'll even go so far as saying nine offensive linemen who are locks. You've got your starting five. So Jed, Joel, Posick, Wyatt, Conklin, Chris Hubbard, um, James Hudson, Michael Dunn, and I think Blake Hans are probably locks. Yeah, that would seem to be. So if you add that up of locks on the offensive side, two plus four plus five is 11, 13, and nine is 22 mm-hmm. locks defensive locks these are just straight up locks not like, how many. not even within question we're not talking about the final we're just saying we're just trying to get to the number that is open locks three defensive ends are locks miles garrett jadevian Clowney, alex wright now i think we could have six defensive ends but that, that, that's neither here nor there are four we have four defensive tackles who are locks uh taven bryan jordan elliott tommy togiai perion winfrey we have four linebackers who are definite locks, the starting four. Jacob Phillips, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, uh, and Jeremiah Usukormoa. I think we have five corners who are absolute locks. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, A.J. Green, M.J. Emerson. And I think you've got four safeties who are locks. Uh, and that would be Grant Delpit, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, and I think Rich LeCount is a lock. So you got 42 right there. So that's and that's and they still got a kicker punter plus long three snapper. specialists. So You're that's 45. at forty-five. So that means there are eight spots that are up for grabs. Now, of those eight, of those eight, okay, you need to guarantee at least one of the defensive end, maybe two. Okay, so so now we're at six. Mm-hmm. There's 
at least one linebacker, maybe two. So now we could be at four. There is probably one more corner. Herb Miller is who I would say there. So now we're at three. Probably one more safety to Anthony Bell. Now we're at two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Offensively, that could be another wide receiver. So maybe Mike Woods, if we decide we have to keep him here, there. I think it's Third another. Tight end? I don't know. I think that's where we can get creative. We got Johnny Stanton too. We so this is where I'm in. This is where I think we can get creative. And hear me out on this. And I think Yelda Froholt has played absolutely well enough to be on this team. I think Yelda Froholt's a stud. So that could be the other spot there. So who's battling? Okay, sixth receiver, Mike Harley. I guess is theoretically is in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Mike Woods, I think, would be the spot there, or that could be a new guy. Tight end. And here's my thought. Chief and Harrison Bryan are definitely your one and your two. Miller Forrestal and the Kia Griffin Stewart probably battling for your three. Johnny Stanton's battling as well. And then they like Zaire Mitchell Payton. You could probably get guaranteed two, if not three, of those guys back on your practice squad. So you could yeah. still have five tight ends in the program, but yeah. maybe only two on the 53. Okay. And then game weeks, you could change depending on what you want to do. So that's a spot where maybe you could save a spot. You could go with the nine linemen if you wanted to offensively. I mean, Blake can play tackle or guard. Hubbard can play tackle or guard. Dunn can play center or guard. Hudson's a swing tackle. Get to the defensive ends. You've got the big three. And then Isaac Rochelle's played very well. Mm-hmm. Chase Winovich has 11 sacks in the league in his first two seasons. And is, we yeah. just haven't seen him, but is very good. And then Isaiah Thomas, who, whom we drafted, is very good. Mm-hmm. So you can make case we could keep six defensive ends. We won't. No. Right. So, okay, that's one there. I think defensive tackle, that's set. Linebacker. Tony Fields is probably the fifth because you drafted him. He's got speed. You like him a lot. But if you said who had to play today, Kunashik and Dakota Allen are probably ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Both are plus, plus, plus special teams guys. Well, that's the other part of it is you got to – Right. Is that part. So, I think maybe you end up at six linebackers – and if you do, I think Fields probably makes it. And then it's a battle between Dakota Allen and Jordan Kunashik, who both have been spectacular. Dakota Allen's got 12 tackles in the preseason, no missed. Kunashik, 11. He's only been here two weeks. He's already put teach tape out there. And he, they're both well-liked and respected in this building. And both are guys who have been in the league for the last three years solely because of special teams. Dakota Allen with the Raiders and with the Jags. Kunashik with Carolina and the Washington football team. Corners, I think Herb Miller is probably your sixth corner, plus special teams player, beloved, and by the way, leads us in PBUs, already has mm-hmm. a pick, should have had two. And then the fifth safety, I think DeAnthony Bell makes this football team. So if if somehow you end up in a situation where, let's say, it's five defensive ends, four tackles, six linebackers, six corners, and five safeties, that's nine. 20, that's 26 on the defensive side, which would leave you 24 on the offside. I think 27 23 is in play, possibly, but I think probably 26-24 is maybe where it ends up. So that would mean you could add to our side over here one receiver and then one either tight end or lineman. Folks, we were at 45 locks. Locks. Like, unimpeachable. Now, people could say, is the rich account really a lock? So maybe we could go down to 44 absolute locks, but there's going to be four or five safeties on this team. Yeah. So it, it, it buoys the point. You see the point? There's yeah. not much. No, but the guys they're, that are competing that you could look at are those tight ends are competing for one spot if it exists. You know, 
Froholt's competing, I think, not really against anybody, He's but competing against, against a position on a the position other side. on the other side. Yeah. You've got Rochelle, Winovich, and Isaiah Thomas for one or two spots. But Winovich is – you're just going on what you hope We've seen, once. and that he's a sub-package rusher, right, yeah. and a special teams guy. You've got Fields, Kunashik, and Dakota Allen competing for one or two spots. You've got Herb Miller, I think, has to be the favorite in the clubhouse, the way he's competing with Sean Jolly or Lavert Hill for that spot, and I, I think he's, he's better than them. And then you've got, you know – Bell and I guess Javante Moffitt and Rich LeCount for one or two spots, but my guess is two spots, and it would be LeCount and it would be it would be Bell. So there's not a whole lot mm -mm. to be going through here. There's now, really not much position on position stuff either. It's very little of that. Very little. I'd say the last linebacker spot. There's position on position. How the defensive end spots. There's position yeah. on position. Tight end. There's. Do we deserve to be on this fifty-three, or are we more comfortable with these guys here? And then. Yeah, I, that really is it. I mean, you could say Yelda Froholt, Drew Forbes. Forbes has played great. He hasn't a lot of pressure on 39 pass-blocking snaps in the preseason and, and has been fantastic. A former draft pick of ours, obviously, six-rounder. He's, he's gotten a lot of looks. You know, you could say him and Yelda are competing for that last. If there's a 10th line spot, they're probably competing for the 10th spot. But the, but the fact that Yelda plays center, would I would imagine, would give him a little bit of an advantage there. But that's it, man. That's it. There is not a ton and my guess is you have to find your kick returner from the people that are here. So whether it's Demetric, Dearness did kickoffs last year. You know, I don't One know if Jerome said, Ford yeah. can get into that mix. Could be intriguing. So I think that's kind of where you are. So that's how we'll approach it. How will the Bears approach it? Tom Waddle of ESPN Chicago joins us coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Land on Demand is now free in the palm of your hands during the entire month of August. ESPN Cleveland and the Bath Authority are giving fans free access to the Land on Demand. For all the news you don't want to miss, you can see us live in the brand new studios or play all your favorite shows commercial free on demand. To get access to Tony Grossi's Browns analysis and more, visit thelandondemand.com or download the app today. The Land on Demand remodeled by the Bath Authority. Now time to head out on the hotline for a conversation with Bears legend, of course, ESPN Chicago, Tom Waddle on the other end of it. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. I will acknowledge asking this question that I really like Justin Fields a lot as a human. Uh, I enjoyed him at Ohio okay. State a great deal. I think he was uh, deserves a ton of credit for saving the Big Ten season in 2020, uh, his one-man campaign. Uh, I'm worried about him, Tom. I'm worried about him. Is is Can he get through this alive this year? I, I'm looking at this roster. I, it, I remember what happened here a year ago. What What's the plan to keep him safe? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a difficult plan to, plan to execute, that's for sure. Um, I think you're going to see a, a group that – devises a game plan on a week-in and week-out basis that's more protective. Uh, it makes more sense. Uh, there were times last year where, quite frankly, I just did not understand what the, the coach, Matt Nagy, was trying to do. Very infrequently put Justin in a position, A, to take advantage of what Justin does exceptionally well, and B, uh, actually try and protect him. Um, you know, I, when, the, the first game he started in Cleveland, I, I said yeah. – the moment I saw what they were doing is, is they pushed the kid down a flight of stairs and didn't help him up. It was just the game plan was horrible. So, look, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a roster in flux. They obviously aren't where they're going to be in a couple of years from now. Um, so I think that they can protect him with better coaching, with better play calling, better game planning, and quite frankly, 
know, Justin in his second year should have a better feel for how to function inside the pocket and know when to shuffle right and left and climb the pocket. So I think it's going to be a combination of a few things that hopefully will allow him to stay healthy. Tom, how's he doing? Like, how's it looking in camp with him, you know, coming off the rookie year, the transition in the staff? Yeah, I think it's still a work in progress. I think it, it, it looks better for sure. Uh, I have a lot of faith in first-time offensive coordinator Luke Getze that he's going to bring some of the concepts that existed in Green Bay, and obviously those concepts work because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But I think it's been proven over time what, what a lot of these guys who've come from the same coaching tree are trying to do uh, is quarterback friendly. Uh, I think he has made progress. I think, you know, they, they've really just rewired him in starting with his footwork and pocket awareness. Um, but I think there's been progress, and I think that he's been a willing participant, and I think the fact that he is their guy and the starter as the season, you know, kicks off is, is something that uh, encourages him and, and gives him some confidence. So uh, still yet to see. I mean, it, it's, it's a work in progress by definition for sure. Tom, when you look at this receiving core, Darnell Mooney goes over 1,000 yards last year. You've got tight end Cole Komet. He's over 600, but gone is Allen Robinson. They brought in some, some veterans who have been around the league, uh, Byron Pringle, an Equinemia St. Brown, Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis. But how is this receiving core shaking out? Who's going to be on the field with Mooney? And they draft Bayless Jones. But what can this receiving core be, and is it enough to support a young quarterback like Justin Fields? Again, it, it, it's not ideal. Um, the hope is, is that the, the third-round pick they spent on Velas Jones will pay immediate dividends, and not only just in the return game, but they'll get the ball in his hands and see if he can make some things happen. Unfortunately, they've had a lot of injuries at the receiving core, so Byron Pringle I don't think is going to be available. I don't know how, how soon Sharp will be back into the lineup as well. So, again, it, it, it's not ideal, but – you know, I still say I resist the concept that you can't make progress just because your huddle isn't filled sure. with all-stars. I think if you play the game correctly, you learn from your mistakes from the year before, and this is going to be an opportunity for guys to step forward and kind of establish themselves. Uh, Cole Komet has been a solid player, as you mentioned, for two years. Hopefully under the direction of Luke Getze in a different offense where Luke's trying to you know, play to his strengths, he will take a step forward and be a guy that – you know, shows that he was worthy of that second-round pick. Uh, I can't sit here, unfortunately, and, and tell you it's going to look great. I mean, offensively, this team's been a hot mess for years. I think that, that the new regime has stepped in and, and has taken a long-term approach here, realizing that next year they're going to have a full complement of draft picks and a lot of free agency money. So I think they're just trying to build a, a, a solid foundation, get guys pointed in the right direction, and in 2023 is – when all of the improvements and the progress is expected to take place. Talking to the great Tom Waddle of ESPN Chicago and, of course, former Chicago Bears. Great. I want to ask you about Matt Elberfluss and just your kind of feel for him as a coach. What, what's his style? What, is, what, is he put, what are you seeing come through the, the, the team that, that he's pushing? What, what's the M.O. for him? Yeah, I think it's, you know, he's, he's an unknown, but I – I said this from the beginning. I liked just to kind of step back. I, I like the plan that first-time GM Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, first-time head coach, kind of collaborated on. Uh, that's a dirty word in Chicago because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace used to use it, and it, it never yielded, it never uh, yielded dividends. But they have collaborated, and their pro the process, I, I think, is a good process. And 
it is a long-term approach. I, I think Hebrew Flus has come in. He's a no-nonsense guy. He's, he's, he's opened things up for, for competition. I think Jalen Johnson, a good young cornerback, figured that out in the first uh, mini camp. I think Kevin Jenkins was alerted to that with how they've handled him. Um, and I think the, the, maybe one of the more positive things we've seen over the last six or seven days is some of these defensive players who were skeptical early on uh, have come around and you've heard them talk positively about the plan and how things look. And, and um, you know, so uh, again, I, I wish I could sit here and give you a more definitive answer as to who these guys are. They're going to have to define themselves. But so far at two preseason games, we've seen a limited number of penalties and one turnover. And while this team isn't going to, you know, knock your socks off with talent on either side of the football, the process looks like it's more sound. And uh, we'll see if that translates to the regular season. But I would say that that is a product of how the head coach is approaching things. Talking with Tom Waddle here. And, Tom, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Jalen Johnson's back. Eddie Jackson is back. But you think about the starters from a year ago and the names that have become synonymous with this team, especially up front, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman gone. Alec Ogletree, who played a lot of linebacker for them a year ago, he is gone as well. So this is a defense with... By my count, it looks like three starter, new starters on the line, two new starters at linebacker, and a couple new starters in secondary, two of their second-round picks, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. How's this defense looking? Because that was the identity for so long, and obviously it's in a period of flux. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. I'm not trying to be elusive and not answer your guys' questions. It's just it's hard to know right now, guys, truly, because there are so many new faces. And this is an entirely new scheme defensively. Uh, it's more of what you saw from Lovey Smith several years ago. Uh, Roquan Smith will be moved to the weak linebacker position, which in this defense is kind of the spot where, where your most af- athletic and most accomplished player uh, will have to set up shop. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to manufacture some pressure, whether it's Robert Quinn. I'm not 100% sold that Robert's going to be here for the entirety of the season. Robert is a tremendous player, but I think this team – uh, as you get close to the to trade deadline, I think they're, they're, if Robert, you know, is, is anything close to what he was last year when he set a franchise record for sacks uh, here in Chicago, if he's still playing yeah. at a high level, I think he's going to be somebody that's going to, to catch the attention of those looking for a pass rush, those that are looking to win a title. And I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from him. Um, listen, we are, we, are, we are building this up from the ground floor. They tore this thing down. They're obviously asking a lot of Bears fans because uh, you're going to have to be patient to see whether or not this works. But I'm encouraged that this isn't just the Band-Aid approach. I think that that was the, the approach of the previous regime, and it got us nowhere. So um, you got to tear it down to build it back up. And, my goodness, they've done some, some de- uh, demolition for sure. How are those young rookie corners looking? And how, what about Travis Gibson? Because you look into the numbers last year, you know, ends up with seven sacks. Four of them come in the last yeah. five games when Khalil Mack got hurt. Those are young guys that you're going to count yeah. on, I imagine, to play a big role here for this defense. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, they're hoping that he'll step forward and, and create some of, uh, some of the havoc that, that uh, we'll be missing because Khalil's no longer there. I, I, I get, again, I go back to the process that, that Ryan Poles used uh, when he went into draft this year, his first draft, he set up his board and he said, because we have so many needs, we're not going to focus on certain positions. We're going to focus sure. on the best players that are on our board. 
And those guys in the second round were Gordon, the cornerback out of Washington, and, and Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. And I think uh, Gordon's been hurt a little bit, so we haven't seen a ton of him. But Brisker has, has very quickly caught the attention of a lot of people, is a playmaker, not only an in-the-box safety, but somebody that can come down and, and help out in coverage and nickel situations. You guys know, I mean, you need you need more than two solid corners in this league. And Jalen Johnson, I, I think, is going to take another step this year. It'll be great if Gordon yeah. can do that. Um, but you need six solid secondary guys to really compete at a high level. And I'm not sure they have the depth, but I think they may have found some guys that uh, eventually, even in their rookie years, can make some plays, but eventually will be will be hallmarks back there in the secondary. Tom, I'll get you out of here on this one. Big picture, we spent a lot of time talking about this plan building from the ground up in terms of what the Bears want to be on the field. Where do they want to play? And not necessarily the the organization or this. Where do the, where do Bears fans want a stadium? What's the resolution on that from from your view? Yeah, it's a for me. It's you got to go to Arlington Heights and build this gigantic Bears, you know, Wonderland. That's something that 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 I've been an advocate of for for quite some time and look I I was blessed to have played for this this charter franchise and and spent all six seasons here in Chicago playing at Soldier Field and the majesty is wonderful and the the history is fantastic uh, they haven't always played there you got to remind people they played games at Wrigley Field for a yeah. while as well uh it's just not it's a smaller stadium the amenities are not great uh, the access to the to the stadium is not good. Um, it's just not it's not the world class facility that this organization should have. They can't have uh, other events. Uh, they can't do some of the stuff that that some of the other the teams in in the National Football League can do. All you have to do is go three and a half hours south to Indianapolis and see right. you know their building, which can host the Final Four, it can host the Super Bowl, it can host everything. So uh, you know there are some fans that are. That, that won't budge and, and, and love the majesty of sitting on the lake for the games and the nostalgia. Uh, but I think the vast majority would, would much rather go to a, a facility that um, gives the, the, the viewer a better experience, uh, something where uh, it gives, gives your team maybe a bit of an advantage over where they're playing now and, and can host some bigger and better events as well. So um I think that the the vast majority of Bears fans at this point would welcome a new stadium, even if it's not on the lakefront, it's out in the suburbs. Great stuff, Tom. Thank you so much for your time today, pal. You got it, guys. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, you too. Tom Waddle, the uh, former Bears great and uh, host of Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. The question I have is, is there any chance that Justin Fields is quarterbacking the Bears by the time they get to that new stadium? Hard to imagine it, honestly. I got to tell you, it's, it's a brutal going setup. through this and getting ready for the the game and and the broadcast on Saturday night. I just came away with feeling that Trevor, Justin Fields is in a no win position. They have probably the worst skill position talent in the league. I think that's probably safe to say. They will have four new starters on the offensive line, most likely. Um, they brought in Riley Reef, who's you know been in the league for a long time, but has not been great. Uh, Michael Schofield comes over, um, another free agent. There are three new free agents, and there's one, their draft pick right now, fifth rounder out of Southern Utah. Braxton Jones is complete, competing with Larry Borum, um, who was a fifth-round pick a year ago, so two to start at left tackle. 
Cody Whitehair is their best offensive lineman and is very, very good. He's playing left guard for them now. He was a, a center early in his career. Um, but they brought in guys who have basically been kind of like, you know, cast off a little bit around the league or, you know, have been spot starters here and there or have played a lot, but none of them have been of great, you know, in some ways, I felt like this roster, it's interesting because Tom was saying, you know, they're not trying to band-aid it. It's a ton of veterans who have not accomplished much in the league on this roster, mixed with 20-something rookies. You know what it looks to me like? Us. What, us, 1-31, without, without the best offensive line in football. Right. Which and we arguably had A better time. quarterback. And, well, but even, I mean, I'm talking about, like, the when with Kaiser, Osweiler. Sure. Like, that situation, they yeah. just have a they, – they did this backwards. Yes. You don't draft Justin Fields until you have this stuff sorted out. And it's not sorted in any way, shape, or no. form. No. So he will – I don't see any scenario where he's not wrecked. I don't see any scenario where he survives it. Yeah. It's going to be the tough. names that you're reading. One thing that we do on the show for months in the off season is we, a we go to the combine. Yep. Then we do draft for months leading up to it. These deep position dives. You just named a bunch of humans I've never even heard of. Yeah. Like, and we do this for a living. Luke, I don't know who those people are. Yeah. I cover college football every day. I don't know who those people are. Lucas Patrick is entering his seventh season. He's got 34 starts. Michael Schofield has been a starter out of Michigan. You remember him from Michigan? Vaguely. Sixth year, he started uh, 81 starts in his career. But this is not it's, – it's, it's not a loaded unit by any stretch of the imagination. It was a huge problem for them. Remember when the Browns played them last year? Nine sacks, a franchise record. You had one net passing yard for the Bears. One net passing yard in an NFL game in the year 2021 – is still one of the most stupefying things I've ever seen. Yeah. And obviously, as he said, you know, Tom Waddle said very clearly, they did not set him up for very much success in that game. And I think that's exactly right. They did not. But this isn't, this is not a great football team. This is their, this is a bad football it's, team. I think it might be the worst in the league. Yes. And I think I, it's the worst roster in the league. I expect the Browns to look good against this team. They should look good against this team. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So it's them. Houston's better than them. And then it, I think Atlanta's better Atlanta, than them. Probably. Atlanta's got Pitts. Yeah. They've got – didn't they just draft Drake London? Probably. They've got weapons. Yeah. Like, see, here's the deal. The guy who's going to – who follows – theoretically, the guy who fo – very possibly, the guy who follows Fields at Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, who's going to get picked first or second in this draft, is going to be in a much better spot right away because whoever drafts him, whether it's Seattle – I don't know if they can get bad enough, quick enough. Atlanta or Houston is going to be in a better spot than Fields. As a rookie than Fields is going into his third year. Significantly yeah. so. Yeah. Can you imagine if you put Pitts and Drake London on this team? Well, it's a whole different team. It's I a think totally Cole, different thing. Yes. Cole Komet's all right. It's just when you think about it, you got Darnell Mooney, who's a fifth rounder and has been very, you know, last year or career year, 81 catches, 1,055 yards. But then you've got Valus Jones, who was six years in college, so he's an old rookie to begin with. His most productive year in college was 800 yards and seven touchdowns at Tennessee. Byron Pringle, in his career, has 898 yards. He's going into his fifth season, was a former undrafted free agent of the Chiefs. Tajay Sharp is uh, going into his seventh season, was a fifth-rounder for Tennessee in 2016. He hasn't had more than 350 yards since the 2016 season. And then their big signing was Equinemius St. Brown, who in his career, he's going into his fifth year, he was a sixth-round pick of the Packers in, in 2019, He's got 543 yards for his career, and he played with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I know. I know. It's bad. 
bad. And he said that he just told us now that Pringles banged up and so is Tajay Sharp. Sharp's been, you know, he's got 44 yards in the preseason. That's their second leading receiver. I mean, they're not producing offensively. They're not doing much defensively either. But this is a team right now that, you know, they've already been given up seven sacks in the preseason. They're averaging 200 yards a game, 280. I mean, it's bad. It's not great. No, no, it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, still so much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Now there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion. Barking Backers presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. One more and then we go. Can't wait, man. Let's get this, get through this game, get a good look at Jacoby Brissett. Hopefully yeah. he just leads us down on a nice drive. You can get him out, and, and he probably won't be playing with his top skill position players, but this is a team he knows well. Eberflus was the defensive coordinator yeah, when he was the quarterback point. there, so they know him well. I, it should be familiar. Let's see it look good. Let's see it healthy, and let's get ready for Carolina. Well said, sir. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. The next level is coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.